But I want to talk to you about the waters of Mara. Look with me in Exodus chapter 15. Look at with me in verse 22. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. The Bible says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it is called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statue and, he, and had an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. And said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his hand, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statues, I will put none of the diseases on you for I have brought on, that I, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And then they came to Elam. And there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, and they camped there by the waters. Now keep that scripture and that verse right there in your mind as we, as we go through today. We'll give you a little history lesson this morning concerning the children of Israel. This, this, newly, this newly liberated nation here was brought out of bondage. Brought out of bondage from Egypt. God says, I'm going to bring you out, I'm going to send you to a promised land. And this is going to be a land that's going to be flowing with milk and honey, the land of Canaan. And, uh, but, but as they have found out at this place, Brother Roger, this was going to be a difficult journey. It's going to be a hard journey. The trouble was simply that the people, although that they were chosen by God to be his people, were far from perfect. They were far from, from having the perfection maybe that even God wanted them to have. They were redeemed. But, uh, but righteous, not so much at this time. They started complaining. They started fussing a little bit. God's brought us out of Egypt here. It had been better for us to die in Egypt. You know, you got us out of here. We don't have nothing. We, we don't have no water or anything like that. And even the water that we've come to here at Mara is bitter. And we can't even drink this, this water here. And so this young nation here of Israel begin their journey. If you look at it in great spirits, I mean, boy, they come out with a bang. I mean, all the Egyptians' treasures and all of those things were, were delivered unto them. They had just come through, Brother Rains, watching the, the whole Egyptian army being, being swallowed up by the Red Sea. They had come through all of those kind of things, and, and they, they were singing a song of triumph to the Lord, and, and they were praising this, this, this great God, and they were singing, Oh, Lord, your, your right hand was majestic in power. Your right hand, oh, Oh Lord, you shattered the enemy. In your unfailing love, God, you're going to lead the people. You have redeemed this people. In your strength, you're going to guide them to your holy nation. And what they sang, that song there, that was very, very true. God did love them, and he was going to guide them. But their spiritual condition, now listen to me, church. God exactly done exactly what he said he was going to do. But understand that this nation here, this young nation here, their spiritual condition was not quickly a real right right now for the transformation from becoming from a slave to being free or, or having redeemed. You know, sometimes we get to thinking that just because God blessed us here, then God's going to bless us over here. And, that, and that's not always the case. How many knows that every now and then you're going to have a Red Sea that you got to cross? And 
every now and then you're going to have a Jericho that you've got to march around. And every now and then you're going to come up on a water hole somewhere that may not real taste too sweet to you in order to drink. And so this nation of Israel was faced with these situations and with these problems during this time. Now let me give you the reason here that you and I face problems today. When you look at the Israel here and you look at this nation, you see Israel here, they, they, move, they move quickly from celebration uh, of a triumphant victory here to the bitterness of disappointment. They've just come, as I said before, from, from watching the Egyptian army being drowned into the sea. They, they marched across on dry ground. And this Egyptian army was, was in there, Brother Roger, but, but God killed all of this, this army with, with this water here. And, 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 they, and they moved from a celebration of that triumph unto a bitterness of disappointment. No one, and even you, even I, the people back then, nobody could survive without water in that hot climate, in that desert, especially the place that they were at. And so probably no doubt questions begin to flood their mind is what is God up to? What is God trying to do to us? I mean, he just brought us out of Egypt. We've been told that he's going to lead us to a promised land. We've been told that he's going to take us to a place that's flowing with milk and honey. I mean, right where we are right now, this is not milk and honey. This may be a this is a desert place. This is a water hole, but the waters are bitter. What is God doing? Has God abandoned us uh, you know, for, uh, so soon after, after releasing us from, from slavery? Because you've got to understand today that this was part of God's plan is simply to put his chosen people to the test. And can I tell you that the same God that put the children of Israel to the test is the same God that from time to time allows you and I to go through times of testing and times of trials so that we can be increased and so that God can teach us something in this test. C.S. Lewis, matter of fact, one time said, if God puts us through the ringer, that's his business. But he always does it for a good reason. Amen. But so often we turn to, on the negative side and we look, at the, we look at the negative for the testing. And God wants us to look at the positive many times. Only three days journey from the point where they had crossed the Red Sea, they faced their first difficulty. A water shortage. Bitter water. But all of a sudden, in the distance, they, they spotted an oasis, a well. And their hopes begin to arise. And, and they run toward what they thought to be a life-giving water. You can picture them with me in your mind. They, they, they run and they plunge their faces into water to quench, their, to quench their thirst. But to their great disappointment, it wasn't to their liking. The waters was bitter. Now, this was not all uncommon in the desert because there would be many times as you'd come across the watering hole that it could be bitter and not, not necessarily the, the best tasting water to drink. And they begin to cry out, what are we going to be able to drink? What are we going to drink here? They cried out in disillusionment. They cried out in a disappointment. And you and I today, if we're true with ourselves, you and I, we experience things just like that in our Christian walk with God. Because how many would agree that life is made up of highs and life is made up of lows? But pastor, I thought you said that, that salvation and redemption and being, perf uh, being perfect with God, that this life would be without pain and, and this life, I, I would feel the presence presence of the Lord at all times. Well, welcome to reality. Because there's moments that we do feel God's presence. But there's other moments that we have those low times, right? We go through those trials. 
We go through those testing times. Every one of us feels like at times we're on a roller coaster of life. And God brings us to the top where we can look around. Boy, it's wonderful at the top because we can see everything. I mean, we can see all the great distances away from us. And and we can look at everything down below us and all of those kind of things. And and our vision is big and and our hopes are high and, and our hopes is big. And we're anticipating great things to come. Then all of a sudden, like dropping of the bottom out from under us we are in the depths of a valley in a trial in a test that almost seems overwhelming to us that vision is just limited now because we can only see the problem and not the solution and now we got to trust God I mean before we was on top of the roller coaster now we're down here with everybody else before we was able to see everything I mean, we was able to get a handle on everything. We was able to get our bearings, so to speak, right? I don't know how you guys are, but Karen laughs at me all the time when we go to a new place. If we travel to a new place, the first thing I've got to do is get out and start driving. I've got to know where I am. Anybody else with me? I don't care how long it takes me. I've got to get out. I've got to drive the roads. I've got to get my direction. I've got to get my bearing. I don't like not having my bearing. I don't like being lost. I don't like not knowing where I am. Oh, I know where I am and maybe at that hotel room or, or at that place or whatever. But i got to know where my direction is, right? And if I want to get in the car, if I want to go somewhere, I want to know which way to go. Well, many times God takes us to those high levels and we're able to see everything at a moment's glance. But all of a sudden the bottom comes out and we're down below here. And we don't see everything like we used to see on top. We simply have to trust God. How many has a GPS system in your car? How many likes the GPS system? Not too many. I like to confuse them myself. I like to play with them. It just gives entertainment to me on the road. But every now and then the GPS comes in handy because it helps us find our direction. And so we come to the Lord and, we, and we're born again and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and we have such a wonderful service on Sunday morning and we go outside and we take three steps out the front door and suddenly troubles come and suddenly trials begin to come. The tests begin to, to happen in our lives. Have you ever experienced that before? Oh, hallelujah, but God, but God. But God can take the bitterness of the death of a loved one. He can take the bitterness of a family relationship. He can take the bitterness of an illness. The bitterness of losing your income. The bitterness of yielding to temptation. And make those bitter uh, temptations and those bitter experiences become sweet. Hallelujah. How can God do this? Just hang on. We're going to find out. These experiences many times, if we're truthful to ourselves, bring us back to the basics of life. I want to tell you, if America ever needs to get back to the basics of life, it's today. We need to get back to the basics of things today. Where our real foundations are. Where God really is. Where we, where we learn to trust God all over again. When the time of testing comes, look, look, church, what, what are we going to cling to when those times come? What are we going to hold on to when those times come? Look, circumstances change, and there's no guarantee that they'll continue to be to our liking. But circumstances are not the determining factor for real happiness in your life. Amen. Jesus is. you got to trust Jesus.
And we ask ourselves, what is the reason for this turnaround? What is the reason for this trial? What is the reason for this circumstance? In one word, there may be other words, but one word I can give you today is simply discipline. Oh, pastor, you could have gone all day without saying that. We don't like discipline. We don't like God getting a hold of us, right? We, 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 don't, we don't like discipline. Our kids don't even like discipline. But we're talking about God's discipline. It's part of our soul's education. It's part of that equipment that God has given us. It's part of God's training program for our continued spiritual development in our life. It's a sign that God loves us. It's not a sign that God does not love us, although many times we feel that way. It's a sign that God loves us and will not allow us to continue to walk down that path. Aren't you thankful for that? I mean, really think about it. I mean, God loves you that much that he's going to create a trial in your life to get you back on track. Because would we not, if God doesn't show up on the scene often, would we not veer off track and find ourselves in a heap of trouble? We would. How can you say that, Pastor? Because we're just like the children of Israel. We'll leave out of here, and boy, we're going to rejoice. We're going to, we're going to give God praise. I mean, God touched people in the ministry time. God saved these four or five that lifted up their hands this morning. Whoa, we got reason to shout. We're going to take three steps out the door, and trials come. And we're going to wonder, where is God? Where is God? I don't know where God is. God doesn't know where I am. God, you've deserted me. But just ten minutes ago, we were singing, ooh, hallelujah. But God sends the trial. God sends the test. Let's talk a little bit this morning about our reaction many times to the problems. Well, how, how do we handle the adversity that comes? When the Israelites came to Marah, the place of bitter water, the Bible says the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? They complained to Moses, but they were really, when you think about it, they were really complaining to God. Talking to Moses because he was somebody they could see. But they were really complaining against God and blaming him for their thirst. How many knows that submission to discipline is not easy? It's not easy. The natural reaction is for you and I to become resentful. The natural reaction is for you and I to become rebellious even when life takes a hard turn. The spiritual way is to have an attitude of submission to God's will and simply be patient. Look over at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Many times, many times people will leave the church. They'll abandon God and look for other means of comfort as though it was God's fault that they failed or the church's fault for not helping them more. But they're really complaining to God. And you and I, we've got to learn, church, if we're going to grow deeper in 2014, we've got to look beyond the circumstances that we have to endure to the sovereign God whose mind and has heart. He has control over everything in our life. He controls everything. And so my responsibility here is, God, I don't understand. I don't have a sense of direction here. I just simply got to follow you. I got to trust in you. I got to trust in you. There's a, there's a little illustration I want to show you this morning that helps us look beyond our, our circumstances. I mean, everybody hold up four fingers in front of your face. In front of your face. And I want you to concentrate on those four fingers. Look at your four fingers. Look at your four fingers. Some of you hold it up. Look at them. Here, you, here they are right here. Look at them. Put them in your face. Now answer me. How many fingers do you see? Speak to me. Four. You got four fingers, right? Those of you who know how to count. One, two, three, four. You see four fingers. 
Now, look at your fingers again, but this time, I don't want you to look at your fingers. I want you to concentrate on something in the distance. Look at something in the distance and concentrate and looking at your fingers at the same time. How many fingers do you see? Eight. Many times you'll see eight fingers. What is the point of that, Pastor? God many times wants us to not just just look at the problem that's in our face all the time, but look beyond those problems to who holds the problems and has it in his hand. Amen. And many times God will double what he wants to bless you with. Hallelujah. Many times God's going to touch you if you'll simply just take your eyes off of what's there and the surrounding part of you and look beyond those things and give it to God in the first place. Hallelujah. That's a good point right there. Amen. See, so often we, we, we bring our situations, we bring our circumstances to God and we lay them on the altar. But the problem is, Sister Marilyn, we, we pick them back up and take them back to the pew with us. God doesn't want us to do that. God, leave it at the altar. Let God take care of it. Let God fight the battle for you. Amen. Let God fight the battle for you. The reaction. Many times we handle those things that way. So this nation of Israel had experienced a wonderful, wonderful deliverance from this Egyptian masters and all of this. And it seems that, that they begin to take God for granted. And they assume that they would all you know, just, just be swept into the promised land. Be swept in this, in this place of flowing with milk and honey and all of those things. And, and they wouldn't have any problems whatsoever. The fact that God was fully able to meet their needs by miraculous deeds was not intended or to imply that he would not sometimes severely test their faith in order to bring them to a maturity that God could trust them. They were still a young nation. They were still an early nation and they found themselves in trouble after trouble after trouble. But one thing they always did, they always called out to God and God always sent a prophet. I've come by this morning to let somebody know, I don't know what you may be going through today. I don't know what kind of waters you may be drinking today but I can tell you this God may be testing your faith today do not give up on God trust in him and he'll lead you to that place where God wants to take you amen he'll find a tree to throw in the waters he'll find a, he'll find a stick he'll find something to change that circumstance amen how many would agree with me that life can be a lifelong process or learning could be it is. Learning can be a lifelong process. A lifelong process. And, and, but, but, we, but we want quick solutions, Pastor. I understand that. We want quick solutions. I mean, if we become ill, we've been, we've been overdoing it, and we go to the doctor expecting an instant cure. And a lot of times the doctor says, well, you need to go home, you need to rest, eat right, quit eating the junk food, eat right, get proper nutrition, proper rest, Adequate sleep, all of those things. But many times we don't want to listen to the solution. We just want to a quick solution. Thomas Edison, they said, inventor of the, of, the, of the electric light bulb, why we're able to see this morning. He experimented over 10,000 times before he got it right. People come up to him and say, well, Mr. Edison, you failed you know, you, you, you're a huge fairy. He said, no, I didn't fail. He said, I just discovered 9,999 9, times that didn't work. So we've got to change our perspective. We've got to persevere through those things. We've got to persevere. How many knows that God is our remedy today? God is our source today. God is our source. What are we going to drink? They just stood there. 
They stood there and they began to grumble. And they, and, and, and they were rather like, like the man whose car was held up uh, by a car in front of him and it broken down. And, this, and as they sat there in that, in that traffic jam, they, he sounded the, the alarm on the horn. You know, there was this lady in front of him and she couldn't get her car started. She kept you know, frantically trying to start her car and he kept blowing on the horn to get out of the way. After a while, she gets out of the car and she comes back and she says, hey, let's, let's, let's do something. Let's trade spots. You go up there and try to start the car. I'll sit back here and I'll honk at you. See, many times you, we want a solution, a quick solution, instead of getting up and doing something about it. And God is saying, hey, I've got you. Just follow me and trust in me. Moses was up against it. He had no resources of his own, but he was a man of faith. He knew what God had done for him. He knew what God had done for the nation in the past. He knew all of those kind of things. He knew that God was an unchanging God. He did the only sensible thing that he could. He cried out to the Lord. Hallelujah. If you don't hear nothing else today, then hear that. When you get in a situation where you don't have no direction, cry out to God. Cry out to the Lord. It wasn't long. It wasn't a long, complicated prayer or anything like that. It was almost like an SOS cry for help. It is an, it, it's a wonderful consolation for you and I today that when we get in that situation, we can cry out to the Lord. And the Bible says God is faithful to hear our cry. You know the story. We read the scripture. The Lord showed Moses a piece of wood. The one translation, my translation said a tree. But a piece of wood. A log, whatever it was. And he got that and he threw it in the water. And that piece of wood changed the taste of the water. The waters became sweet. It's been said before that, that man's extremity is God's opportunity. See, Brother Raines, I, I, I do believe that God expects me to use whatever resource I have, whatever sense, whatever knowledge that he's already given me to, to do some things. But when I've, when I've done all I can do, sometimes I've got to stand before God. And I've got to just let God work. I've got to be patient. I've got to allow God to move in on the scene and to take care of those situations for me. It was true in this situation. They didn't have no resource. They didn't have any other source of help. But God showed up. And, and, and Brother Johnny, in, in the form of just a piece of wood. Now, you and I would have never thought to do that. God says, get it, throw it in the water. And it'll change. The waters will become sweet. 1 Peter 2 and 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Why did you read that scripture, Pastor? Didn't you find it interesting and unique that God chose a, a, to, for Moses to get a, a piece of wood, a tree to throw in the water, that somewhere down in the future that his son was going to be hung on a piece of tree? On a piece of wood. So by giving you and I life. And making our life sweeter. And not bitter. Amen. I want the musicians if they will to come. I'm not through with my message. But I've got to, I've got to close here. You see the cross. Simply meant yielding up. When the Lord hung on the cross. He yielded up his life. In atonement for our sins. That's something that you and I. We can't do. But he did it for us. The same principle here of yielding up to the will. We, we, these four or five, and I can't remember how many it was, but that, that yielded their life over to the Lord this morning. They give their life over to the Lord. They yielded their life over to the Lord. And God set them free. God saved them. We surrender ourselves to his will 
or we can reject it. But I pray that we surrender. See, it's hard for Christ. It was hard for Christ to to yield to the will of the Father. But he had you and me in mind. He had us in mind. And he knew that one day and somehow in some way that we needed a Savior. And we need to cry and call upon his name. We have to learn to say yes to the will of God. Yes to the will of God. Yes to the will of God. And if we, can, if we can do that today, if we can understand that the cross and what the cross represents. See, when troubles come and life is unfair, when you face the bitter waters of your life, you learn to turn to Jesus in faith. You, you believe that he already has the answer to your situation and is already working on your behalf. You've come to the place where you understand the cross in your life makes the difference. Hallelujah. It's the cross of Christ that will make your life's lemons into lemonade. It's the cross of Christ that will take your bitterness and turn it into sweetness. It's the cross of Christ that will turn your disillusionment into a new vision. It's the blood of Jesus that will lift you out of the miry clay and set your feet on a rock to stay. It's the, and you got to bring the bitterness to the Lord and let Him make it sweet today. He may choose to throw a stick in there. He may choose to do use somebody to bring sweetness to you. Whatever that is and however that is, we need to allow the Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is not in my notes, but the Lord just brought this to my mind. I told you a few weeks ago or a few months ago. What if, think about this, what if you're bitter today and you have that bitter water in your life? What if God will use somebody that you don't really care about? To bring sweetness to your life. Will you allow it? Whatever God chooses to use. See. There's the key for us. If if we're going to grow. We we can't grow and and stay where we are right now. Right? We got to do some changing. We got to allow God to to awaken us if you will. And many times he'll, he'll use people, places and things. To create change within us. Some, it may not even be to our liking, but we've got to be obedient in order to do that. The cross makes the difference. The cross makes the difference. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes very quickly. I know, I know I've already, we've already had an altar call, basically, two altar calls. And there were some that raised your hand and you give your heart to the Lord. But you say, Pastor, after listening to this, message concerning the waters of Mara and the bitterness I've realized that there's some bitterness in me everything is not going roses like I thought it was going to be everything is not going exactly like I want it to go and I need the Lord to show up in my life and make the bitterness sweet I need him to do that today if that's you, would you just lift up your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I need the Lord to make my life sweet today. Some things there that shouldn't be there. Some bitterness there that shouldn't be there. I need Him to come. I need Him to strengthen me and sweeten my life, my spiritual walk with Him up today. Thank you so much. If that's you, lift up your hand. Put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much hands going up all over the building hallelujah thank you Lord 
thank you, Lord. Father, you saw every hand that was lifted up in this sanctuary today. You saw every heart, every life. Lord, you know the areas that needs fixing. You know the bitterness that may be there in every heart in each life of those hands that was lifted up. And God, they're surrendering to you today. They're surrendering to you today. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the four, the five that was saved earlier. Oh Lord, I rejoice in that. But God, I thank you for those four or five that's raised their hands even now that needs you in their life to bring the sweetness. God, help us to accept whatever method you use, whatever method, and let us follow after you. Let us follow after you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.